Hey everyone, in today's episode I'm joined by Jay Diggs, an independent music artist best known for his funk-flavored 80s throwback jams, his viral remixed covers of hits like WAP by Cardi B, Popstar by Justin Bieber and Drake, and Stay by Kid Leroy, and his songs on social media that goof on and remix viral pop culture moments like the fly on uh, Mike Pence's head. Uh, Jay comes from a musically inclined background from listening to his accomplished jazz bassist father as play as a child. Jay went from making up rap beats and bars in the basement to studying music production in college to writing and producing songs for big names like Kiki Palmer. But he wanted to bring his own sound to the masses. And after finding a fondness for synthwave mixing in his 90s R&B influences and going down an 80s R&B rabbit hole, he released his debut album Jams towards the end of 2021 using his social media following to promote it. By doing this, he gained over 300,000 listens in 90 countries and has accumulated 34,000 monthly listeners to date. Jay, welcome to the Business of Sound. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good to be here. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time. So you've obviously done a lot, right? You know, I guess I'll kind of do the the like podcast thing and just be like, where did it kind of all start? Like, I guess I gave a little bit of context high level in like the intro, but you know, obviously you know a lot better than me. <laughs> so yeah. I'd love to kind of hear how this this all like began. Yeah, man. It was like you said, I think my dad was really the start of it. I mean, just going to his shows when he was playing around the city where we're from we're from DC and just going like I'm a kid like honestly I probably shouldn't have been there like he because he would play in like clubs and stuff so I'm just like there like back either backstage or just like just off to to the side of the stage and just watching him play and just watching the band and just getting so inspired just in in awe I'm like oh man this is what I want to do so that went into me learning how to play piano and this was I guess I'm trying to think because when did when did YouTube start? Like 2004, 2005? Yeah, a while ago. Like <laughs> well, before then, I was just like writing raps because he had all this equipment already. So I was just like making little beats on the keyboard and writing raps and talking about stuff. I didn't know what I was talking about. And then that transitioned into learning how to play the piano. I would I would go on YouTube and just learn how to play songs on the radio. And so all of that. And then, you know, just. I don't know. I don't know what clicked. I, I sang in the choir and then I was like, man, you know, I really want to I really want to like do this for, for real. Like this is like middle school, high school. And I'm like, man, I don't want to work a job <laughs> that I hate, you know, because I'm like, I already know I want to do music. This is like I'm a kid. I'm like, I know what I want to do. That's it. So I was like, OK, so let me try to do this seriously. So I just kept I kept writing and and I went to uh, Full Sail University, um, which is a school that they do a lot. They do more than just music, but I went for recording arts. It's focused around learning how to do that. And you actually go to the studio in school and everything. So it was great. And I guess it just went on from there, just meeting different people, connecting. And yeah, <laughs> that's super cool. And so like, you know, when it went from, OK, I want to make this my career. How do you actually like what's like the early steps that you take to actually say, like, I'm going to shift this from like a hobby or a passion, you know, from just like the art to actually like getting into the business side of this. Right. And you mentioned that, like, you know, you went to you went to school for it. You know, was there like networking you did at school or like what was what is those like early jobs that kind of get your foot in the door? I and mean, how do you start that process? I mean, I guess I was blessed because I came up I'm a millennial. I came up when all this internet stuff was really just emerging. So that was a really big part of it, I would say, because when I was in school, I met 
an artist. She went by the name of Aviva at the time, and I met them on, uh, <laughs> this is weird, this was, um, what's that website? Uh, uh, Craigslist. Craigslist. So I met them on, yeah, I met them on my dad. So yeah, my dad sent me this ad on Craigslist. He was like, hey, I was in Orlando at school. He's like, hey, there's this girl in your town. I saw this ad. She's looking for a producer. And I'm like, okay. So I checked it. <laughs> I looked at it and I and I hit the I hit them up. And it was her. And then she was working with a manager at the time. And so I think it was just that, just networking. And then we we ended up making some great music and it got in uh some movies and TV shows and it was awesome. We had a song on the I don't know if you remember this show called The Bad Girls Club. Mm-hmm. We did a couple of mu- couple of songs on there, so That's that cool. yeah, so that that was like just me just starting to branch out, and then I reached out to it was a guy on Twitter who said, "Hey, I'm looking for songwriting partners." I didn't know who he was. I just wrote him, but turns out he had a publishing deal, and so we did some songs, and he's he's the guy I did uh, the song with Kiki Palmer with. So it was just just these random moments of just reaching out to people that turned into something you know bigger. <laughs> Right. No, that's super cool, though. And like, that's like crazy. I would have never guessed Craigslist could like actually like get the ball rolling in that direction. But yeah, it is kind of funny how like, you know, social followings and just being active and stuff like that with those opportunities, you know, don't get me wrong, like luck definitely has a lot to do with it for like a lot of people for sure. But like, you almost like make your own luck by like maximizing those kind of opportunities. You know, if you were like getting started again today, is that like that same path you would follow? Like kind of like getting out there trying to like find these random opportunities, like chase them and like see what happens. Because like you don't know. Absolutely. I'm I'm a big um, fan of Gary V. I know some people don't like him, but <laughs> he's all about like quantity and and more, 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 more. And I just use that. I mean, I don't go too far with it, but I just I use it to say, you know, always be doing something because you never know. So even today, like even with the WAP remix, you know, I was I had been doing little stuff like that, but they never have really caught on. But I just was I was like, hey, just throw this out there and see what happens. And that it just blew up randomly. So I think even today still it's just be busy, do stuff, you know, just always be working and reaching out and putting your putting yourself out there is the, is the main thing. There's really no luck because I see that. OK, so with the WAP remix that blew up, it got it went viral. Yes, that can be considered luck. But if I never did it, it would never have happened, you know, so it's like it's luck. But is it because I've been working for years before that happened? So it's not just random. <laughs> yeah, no, 100 percent. I def- I definitely agree with that. Right. It's like. You know, people say like, I, I'm doing air quotes for all the people that are just listening. Luck, you know, but really it's about showing up every single day, right? You can't be lucky if you don't show up. There's elements of like chance and you need like the stars to align. But like, again, if you don't show up, it's never going to happen in the first place. And the more times you do show up, the more likely something is going to happen. Yeah. So so you were producing and like doing that, going down that kind of route. But now you're like making your own music, you know. Obviously, it's like an entirely different thing, right? But working with an artist um, versus like doing your own music. What's like the biggest differences kind of in the day to day and like the production process like with that? Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, that I I still struggle with that, I think, internally, because it's 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 I guess for me, because when you wear so many hats, it's hard to know when to take one off and put the other one on. So I would say working with other artists is a little bit easier, at least for me it is, just because I can kind of take a step back and be on the outside looking in. Because in a situation like that, 
an artist will come to me and they say, hey, you know, I want to I want to do this or this is what I'm inspired by. I'm like, OK, great. And so I can just kind of direct them from making the music, writing the songs or writing writing with them. And then, you know, we're in the studio together. We're kind of bouncing ideas off of each other. And it's just I don't know. I feel like it's easier when you're kind of on the outside looking in. But when you're an artist, when you're doing things yourself, it gets a little hard because you also have this thing of where you self-doubt yourself and you don't have anybody, or at least, I mean, for me, unless you do have a whole team that's around you all the time, you know, it's like, you don't know if things are good. Cause like you're listening to us, you know, like, Oh man, is this good? I don't even know. And then you have those moments where you're writing and you can't think of things. You're like, man, maybe I'm not so good. <laughs> it's weird. It's, it's, it's really, it's, it's really strange. It's really strange. But, um, I would say, yeah, I think that's the the biggest thing is just pushing yourself versus pushing. I think it's easier to push someone else than, to, than it is to push yourself. Yeah. And that makes that makes sense. Like the collaborative kind of nature of it, you know, creating like something unique and also being like a check both of like check to an ego, but also a check of like imposter syndrome. Right. You know, producing something great and like doubting yourself at the same time. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I would kind of equate it to like the gym, right? Because I've the gym is like a big part, became a big part of my life now. And I've actually worked at a gym. And in the gym, you notice personal trainers who work at the gym, they can train people. But I noticed when I worked at the gym, the personal trainers, they had personal trainers. And it's like they had all the knowledge. They could do it themselves. But it's like there's value in having that outside eye. That's super cool. I like that analogy a lot. You know, thinking like from like the business perspective of it, right? How does like a producer actually get paid versus like the artist? And you know, what what does that like actually look like from like the economic standpoint of it? Yeah, producing is 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 great. I mean, it's multifaceted because I would say it's dependent on what you've done, who you're working with, because I've done deals where I didn't get paid up front and I really just basically just got a royalty what they call points, producer points. And that's basically your royalty on the album or sometimes even on the song where it's like, hey, you know, we don't have an upfront fee, but once the song or the album creates revenue, you'll get a point or a couple of points of the overall revenue. So that's that's one way. But then you have other situations where you get a production fee where you can get that upfront fee and get the points or the royalties on the back end. But then you also have other situations where it's a buyout where someone just says, hey, I just want to just pay this one lump sum fee, buy you out, buy your rights out. You can also do it that way. Usually that's more like on the independent side of things where you would want to do something like that. But yeah, and then also you have your your leasing, which, you know, that's, I don't know, people have their own <laughs> views on that where you can lease a, a, a track, but that means you can sell it more to multiple people. Interesting. So like you could like sell like like the underlying beat to like multiple multiple people. Is that kind of like yeah? Ba- we well, go? basically you would you would sell a license to use it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So you would say, oh, you can use this track, but you can only sell so many copies. And I can resell it. I can resell the license for someone else to use it. That's definitely more independent stuff, though. And so, kind of, how does that compare to like being like the artist? You know, is it like a similar sort of setup, or is it like just wildly different being on that? side of the table it depends on what kind of artist you are so some artists don't write their own music (laughs) so i i feel for those artists i mean well they get paid from their shows though but they wouldn't get paid royalties or songwriting credits 
nowadays people have gotten a lot more savvy. So nowadays what artists are doing is even though they're not writing their own music, they're negotiating credits or negotiating publishing rights on their songs so they can get royalties. That's a really smart way to do it. But typically, if an artist doesn't write their own music, they're, they're not getting any royalties from it. They're just going to get um, whatever their label has worked out in their contract and whatever they get from their shows and, and things like that. So it's a little bit tougher as an artist. But if you write your own music, you know, people like Taylor Swift and all these people, they get the best of both worlds. Yeah, no, for sure. And that you actually brought up something like interesting, too, which is kind of like the next question, which is like, you're 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 independent right now, right? Yeah, this question, I'm sure could fill up like not just the rest of this episode, but like many podcast episodes of like the, the positives and negatives of actually like working with a label versus like being independent, but high level, you know, I guess like, I would just say like, do you like being independent? Do you feel like that's kind of the best way of going about it or like it I mean of course probably it depends but like would just get, love to get your perspective on like independent versus being with a label I would say again it, it does depend on what kind of artist you are I guess it would depend on what your goals are because if you're trying to be this major pop star you know you can't be independent or you can't stay independent I would say because the labels they definitely have their place as far as how many eyes they can put in front of you the backing or the like the budget that they can put behind you music videos that's something i learned music videos are very expensive because <laughs> yeah. i did i did one and it was like oh man <laughs> i had to pay for everything and you know the benefit of being with the label is they would pay for all of that you know so there's so much they can do for you especially if you're trying to really get a mat like create a mass mass appeal mass following and they just take care of a lot of the work uh independent uh, you know obviously you can you have a lot more control you keep whatever revenue you generate versus with the label they're taking big percentages and then you have to pretty much wait on a check <laughs> but but you know independent independent you know you don't have to wait you just you just you get your money and that's that's it but obviously there's a lot more work there's a lot more upfront costs like i had to pay i guess i guess if you want to deep dive into it when i did my music video i had to pay Obviously, the videographer, I'd pay for my flight and my stay, wardrobe, I'd um, pay for the place, the building and everything. So it just it just it cost me way more than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, yeah. And I was just like, man, I was like, I don't have any money left. <laughs> yeah. And then there's all the editing and then like then you just have the video and then it's like the distribution and everything like that. But yeah. Like, yeah. Do, do you see like with like, you know, like you've got. Like, you've done some, like, really funny stuff on social, right? Like, I loved the, like, you know, the Mike Pence fly thing was hilarious. Oh, yeah. and, like, <laughs> I've seen some of the other stuff you've done. And, um, you know, like, the Will Smith thing that you did recently was hilarious, too. Oh, yeah. But, uh, the, the, like, the slap, like, remix thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, it, it's interesting. Do you think that, like, having the distribution through social, though, is kind of, like, tipping the scales one way or another where like maybe in the past you like absolutely had to have a label because there was no other way to get like really great distribution. Now it's kind of like, well, maybe if you can build like a really good following and stuff on like Instagram and Twitter and like, you know, TikTok and all that, maybe it is viable or more viable, I guess, to be like independent. What's your kind of view on like the way socials affected this? Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a major factor. Like I said, 
before I, I before I said a statement, I said if you want to be this major pop star, you need a label. But the caveat to that is nowadays you don't really need to be a major pop star because there's many artists that are doing very well, just being you know mid level artists, and they're and they're doing really well independently. And I think social media is kind of the forefront of that because it's so easy to get yourself out there and in front of people, and you create more of a I guess a personalized experience or personalized brand because you're a little bit more accessible than a Justin Bieber or somebody like that. And people may feel a little bit more connected to you because they see, you know, maybe not everything, (laughs) maybe not everything is exactly perfect, you know, because with the major label, everything is just kind of cereal box cookie cutter. But when you're independent, you know, sometimes things are a little bit imperfect. And I think that has its own appeal. So I think, but social media is definitely the, the biggest thing. When people ask me, I have young artists that ask me for advice. I say, you got to get your social media up. You have to, because that is is really the bread and butter. It's sad sometimes when I think about it, but at the same time, I'm like, we have to adapt because if you don't have a social media following, you really don't have a presence, at least not outside of your own city. It's crazy. People say, hey, uh, oh, I love your I love your stuff. You know, hi from France or wherever. It's so crazy to hear things like that. I'm like, wow. Yeah, no, that's super cool. I love hearing that. And like, I think that you brought up like a really interesting aspect of it too, which is like if you're going with kind of a label, you're going for this bigger thing, you you do almost have to be like mass appeal, right? And like that can, like, I know you do like a lot of stuff with like Synthwave, right? And like Synthwave is like, I think that like most like millennial Gen Z like know kind of what Synthwave is or like Vaporwave or whatever, like, you know, like the aesthetic or the sound, but like it's not the most mainstream thing, right? And so like you can niche down into that a little bit more and like do some like interesting stuff. You can have like a really successful career just being like king of a niche almost, right? Like rather than saying like, oh, I have to hit, I need like 30 million listens on this like new single or something like that. Like you don't need that. You can have a more dedicated fan base that's smaller. Then that kind of brings up the question of like, how do you like effectively monetize a smaller, more dedicated fan base, right? Because it does like change the math because you can't just be like, oh, I'm going to get all these listens on Spotify and then I'm just going to get like a ton of like royalties from that, right? Like it does change the the math on that a little bit. So I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts around that. Yeah, I think you have to get, definitely have to get more creative. And for me, I think like Bandcamp is doing a really good good thing right now where, um, you know, they're kind of giving more, more of the money straight to the artists um, as far as like streaming on Spotify. So I would say, I think you have to get a little bit more creative and you have to, you actually have to probably work harder than the people with major labels because I think you have to put out more music and to keep people engaged for one and to have new product as well. And also think outside the box. For example, I've been doing commercials for the past few months. I've been doing some commercials. So I think things like that and uh, like artists, like, I don't know if you ever heard of um, uh, uh, Kara. I am Kara. She sings. She does uh, some work for Splice. Anyway, she goes by, K- uh, it may be Kara, Kara or Kara. And what she does, she's an artist too. And she's, you know, but she does, she's doing everything independently. And what she does is the same thing. She does commercials and she does songs for video games. So she does that to like kind of just push, push up her revenue. And then that also helps her to continue to make her music and put music out. So I think you have to kind of diversify. Interesting. So, so you're saying that in your mind, at least it's like one of the viable paths moving forward with artists that are like 
more interested in like niche sort of sounds or like, you know, are more interested in like having that smaller, more dedicated audience is to like kind of broaden the sort of the stuff that you actually do, right? Like you're not just, oh, I'm going to do an album every like two or three years, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to do commercials and oh, I'm going to do like this, that and the other and like, you know, kind of all this different stuff and kind of like conglomerated together. So like in a way, it's almost like Renaissance, man. You know what I mean? It's just like I make cool sounds and like sometimes that's songs, sometimes that's albums, but sometimes it's commercials or sometimes it's music for video games or something like that. You know, that's kind of the way forward you see. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Because that's it's, it's everything. And then honestly, TV shows, movies, commercials, video games, they all pay more than radio. I mean, they all pay more than trying to trying to chase the radio or trying to chase the placements or labels. The commercials and TV are going to put the money in your pocket so much faster, so much easier. I think that's what it is. It's just it's just having all those different things because if you just focus on albums, I mean, first of all, people aren't really buying albums anymore. I mean, not not on a big scale. Most people are streaming. So you have to find other ways to just get, get creative with it. And it's, it's, I think it's, for me, it's fun. You know, if you don't want to put in the work, then, you know, you know, find a label to help you out, but it's, it's, it's fun. And you can be a little bit more, more dynamic. You know, you gotta, you gotta be, you gotta be a hustler, you know? <laughs> no, that's cool. I, I like that. And speaking of, you know, like, let's talk about, you know, your new album and, and, you know, I obviously like an incredible amount of work went into that from both the creative side but also like the marketing kind of like business side, you know, like how do you actually like prepare to like launch an album as like an independent artist, you know, like what kind of went into that and like, you know, would love to kind of hear about like the challenges of like all that coming together. Yeah, it, it's, it was tough. I mean, it's still tough. I, I feel like, I feel like I, I could have done better and still, still do better. There's, there's, there's some new ideas I've been working around to kind of, re- you know, get a little resurgence of promotion for that. But for me, uh, I knew I knew the social media was going to be number one, being independent. So I did a lot of obviously I went on that the big run uh, with all of those remixes. I think I think that was kind of a core of it is just developing the no like and trust factor. So doing a lot of things for free or a lot of things where you're not necessarily asking for a sale or anything like that or hey, buy my music, you know, just put things out there, putting yourself out there, getting people to know you. And then when it comes time to drop the album, it's easy. There's no, it's no, people are begging for it. Cause I, it got to a point, cause I actually had to push my album back and it got to a point where people were like, yo, when is the album coming out? When is the album coming out? I want to buy it. I want to buy multiple copies. Like people were like begging for it. And so I think, I think that's the key is to get yourself in a situation where people like, 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 they want it. They they want it, and not just not. You don't want to release it and be like, "Hey, I have an album," or like, "Hey, go listen to my Like, <laughs> it's like. I mean, obviously, right. obviously, obviously, you want to you want to post about the album when it comes out, but right. you want people already asking for it before right. you drop it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all of the months of build up the entire time going into it, and that that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, um, yeah. So so thinking about it, like you know, you you kind of were saying that like it's this like you know, the future looks more like this, like Renaissance man approach. Do you think that like, and you also mentioned that like, you know, with streaming and stuff, albums are changing. Do you think that like, you know, 10 years from now, people will still be doing albums or will it just be like singles or like, you know, or will albums be like smaller? Will they be like 
you know, three, four or five songs, something like that. You know, what what do you see as kind of like the the evolution of the album in this new kind of like streaming world? I think there will always be a place for albums because I think there's just there's just something to say about having a project and just some, having something that's cohesive. I think it'll always be there. I, I can see I see it's already starting to happen. I see songs getting shorter. Um, so I see pe- maybe people just having like just, just a, maybe shorter albums. But I definitely see always having that project. And I'm not sure yet where all this NFT stuff and this metaverse stuff is going yet. Um, but I, I feel like that may be a factor. And people just putting these, um, especially the major artists, I see them just putting these like grand projects together and having like the album and then having like all, like these like maybe some short films or just a lot of I see a lot of visual stuff happening with the albums but I think there's always something to say of having that project because like a lot of artists and including myself like we like to change things up like we don't like to always have like every song be the same so I think I see people doing like albums that have themes to them because if we if we get rid of albums I don't know. I, I I see that being really weird because it's just gonna be either too random or maybe too many songs. I think I think the album is just a, you need one solid thing for people to listen to, even if they're not listening to it all the way through like they used to. But having that project is is good. No, I, I like hearing that. That's interesting. And you did bring up like kind of NFTs and metaverse and stuff. And I've been seeing like startups that are coming up, which are like for like independent artists. And I I think even actually like you know, artists on labels and stuff. It's like they're selling like basically like NFTs where you could like stake a song or an album, right? So it's like, it's almost this like halfway in between approach of like totally independent versus like a label where it's like, hey, I as like just a fan am basically gonna like front you a bunch of money but I want like, yeah, like points on your like album, yeah, right? And that. like, do you see that as kind of like, like an interesting thing to play with moving forward? Yeah, I, I, I thought about that. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like just give people like a royalty, you know, like <laughs> on a, that, that's, that, that would be really awesome. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I just like, it's a great idea, but I see it for me. I do see it being difficult to implement at least like, on a big scale or long term, it's hard to it's hard to gauge how close we are to the metaverse and the NFT thing being main. I mean, it's it's mainstream, but not really. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's a niche amount of people that are into it, but it's like, let's say you have a fan base and you want to do something like that. It's like, how much of your fan base knows enough about NFTs and the metaverse, and the whole <laughs> right? But really, you know, yeah, what I mean, yeah. like how much of it like, okay, don't know about? it's yeah, it's like a 20, 20 step process. Like, okay, go to Coinbase and then buy some Bitcoin. Then you got to convert that to Ethereum. And then yeah. you got to send that to your MetaMask and like yeah. account and stuff. It, it, it's complicated. It's a big learning. Yeah. It's a big learning curve. And I'm like, ah, even me, like I, I tried to like, I still don't a hundred percent understand everything. I, I've I dabbled in it a little bit, but it's, it's a big learning curve. So I'm like, I don't know if uh, enough people are going to be able to, and let's, so like I said, unless they find a solution to simplify that whole thing, you know, I see it hard to be, to be, to implement fully. I think the other kind of downside, potential downside of it, like it's interesting, but like the other kind of potential downside of it is like really around like, what do you do when like some dude that gave you $25 shows up and is like, 
wants to like be in your business about like yeah. how you're making the album or how you're like like oh I, I really don't think that that instagram post promoting it was like a good <laughs> idea and like you know like so it's like it almost like it gives fans more buy-in but like too much buy-in can can be a bad thing sometimes you know you got to kind of keep everybody at like arm's length you yeah know? i don't like know little, that's, what, that's what yeah. i mean i think i think you and you you could run into a lot of legal problems with that i think for me i see this is how i see i see the that whole nft metaverse thing for musical artists i see it being more beneficial in, in a, a merch kind of thing where you if you do some kind of merch thing like um i've heard people say oh you can do like like special edition concert tickets or something like a like your your NFT can be your ticket or you like a video. I've seen artists do like like a video. They'll do like a secret, not a I guess it's not secret, but they'll do like a exclusive song that's not on the album and they'll put it to a video and you do something like that. Just little things like that. I mean, even though obviously with NFTs every anybody can look at it, but you know, as long as this whole <laughs> bragging rights kind of thing holds up, you know, I think but even if it doesn't, though, it's like it's merch. Like if like back in the day when you buy a T-shirt, it's like, I mean, how long is that T-shirt? <laughs> it's a T-shirt, you know, so or or it's um, uh, whatever, a poster or whatever. Like those things, it's, it's just a poster, but it still has that sentimental value that you got at that concert so many years ago. Oh, 100 percent. And like that stuff does. I mean, you know, you have like a bunch of people that like pay thousands and thousands of dollars for like specific Grateful Dead posters and stuff like that to this day. There's like a whole like kind of like subculture of people that like just buy that merch and stuff. So kind of changing gears, you mentioned that when you were kind of producing your new album, pulling it all together, not just producing it, of course, you ran into a delay uh, with that and you had to delay it a few times. And you think that ended up like helping you out with like kind of the the marketing side of it. Can you can you talk a little bit more about that? I'm curious about like basically what happened and the challenges there around pulling it all together. Yeah, I had there were there were some challenges. Just uh, I guess, well, <laughs> and I think I think every artist can can probably vibe with this. It's just like I had these songs, and there were some there were some songs. I felt like the album was done at one point, but then after listening to it, I'm like, some of these songs aren't so good. So I actually I actually had to go back and like almost not start over, but I wrote new. I started writing new music because I had some songs that were a little bit older that I written a while ago and it's just some songs that I had like some songs that I really loved. And then there were a couple of songs that I was like, mm, I don't really like these. And so I was like, okay, I need to, I need to write some new material. So I, I, wrote, I went back, I had to write some new songs. And then there were some other songs that I had to uh, tweak and just kind of change and make into something new. So that was really it. It was just not really being happy with the end product. I knew I had to be happy with them. Like I want to be happy with it. And um, so I was like, let me just, not rush it let me just delay so i think i think it worked out in my favor but um yeah and i think that goes back into being independent too is just not maybe not not always having that second ear i mean obviously i have i have team i have people around me but they're not like constantly there so sometimes you just have those moments where you doubt yourself but yeah i did need to <laughs> i did need to rewrite some of those some of that material and not having that person there to to maybe if i had someone there maybe we could have reached that conclusion earlier um but you know it, it all worked out yeah for sure well jay i really appreciate your time today thank you so much for coming on and talking about this i think it's like been pretty enlightening into kind of you know how like the business side of this works from like an independent artist you know and and like kind of like coming at it from like a few different like angles and like thinking about you know 
what are the costs with like shooting a music video? How are you thinking about like the future? You know, what are like the benefits and drawbacks of being an artist versus like, you know, going in on producing and stuff. And so, I, I mean, I've learned a lot and I appreciate your time today. But I just want to give you a minute to just, you know, kind of plug whatever, uh, whatever you want, probably your new album, I assume. But uh, yeah, yeah, just want to give you a second to let you do that. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I would love for everyone to head to my Instagram if you're not already a follower. That's at jdigsmusic, J-A-Y-D-I-G-G-S music. And yes, you can get the album. It's available everywhere. It's available on Spotify, iTunes, and all of your streaming platforms. But preferably, if you could go to Bandcamp and get it, um, that, that, that would be amazing. It's jdigs.bandcamp.com. And you can also order a vinyl record as well we have physicals and and yeah i just would uh, appreciate that give me a listen if you haven't heard me yet and if you are a listener i just want to uh, thank you for being a listener and just thank you for all your support for sure well be sure to subscribe to the business of sound wherever you listen to podcasts to get a new episode every week you can also find past episodes and more information at decibelads.com and in case you didn't know decibel can help you grow your business with audio ads even if you don't have any advertising experience or a huge budget Get your message on major platforms like Spotify, podcasts, and digital radios today using hyper-local targeting and deep analytics to turn your listeners into customers. Find out how it works at decibelads.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Jay, thank you so much again for coming on the show. Thanks.